Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Um, so let's just dive right into it. One of the things uh, for all of us is, and I don't even you know, know some of you or you listen on radio, but you have a vision for your future. Um, sometimes it's like a month from now, there's something coming up. It's five years from now. You're kind of long range visionary. It's, it's 20 years from now. And sometimes it's not even positive. It's something like, you know, you're going to be facing and this is kind of the vision I have for how I want to get through this or you're trying to figure out a strategy. But all of us have this idea of, where we're going, what, something that's coming next and how we wanna navigate it. Like that could be middle school for you. Um, that could be college, that could be graduate school. That could be a dream that you're trying to get off the ground, a new business you're trying to start. Or it could be you're trying to figure out what you're gonna do with your aging parents in this season or how you're gonna deal with this thing you're struggling with. And it just like came out of nowhere. It's um, a new marriage, it's a second marriage. It's, you know, empty nest for the first time and you're trying to figure that all out and, and how to navigate that um, new baby. But whatever it is, like everyone, you're a human being, you got something that's next for you. Um, you're a human being, you have some kind of vision about your future. And one of the things that's interesting about the rest of life that doesn't relate to life decisions is we have more information about everything in the world than ever before. Like, remember when you used to have to go on vacation and you just like hope that the pictures would match the actual vacation when you got there? You know what I'm talking about? Like you were just crossing your fingers and hoping that it matched up and then it didn't. I mean, one time I remember my wife and I go on vacation and we literally had to check out of a place to go, this is not what you guys advertised. Um, and I'm like, that almost never happens. I mean, with Yelp, with TripAdvisor, you can get every detail in, in the world if you do your research. Like if you go to that restaurant, you know if you get the burrito, hold the onions. Like you already know that. You haven't even been there. You, you check into that place, avoid room 212, somebody was killed there. So just everything else, like whatever it is, you can get every single detail. But that same thing does not relate in terms of the rest of the life because here's the thing for all of us, and, and I mean, we kind of know this intuitively, is no matter how much information you have about the future or about where you wanna end up, that information does not correlate to you actually ending up there. Like that's just the reality. In fact, the temptation is to believe that since we know what's up ahead or know where we wanna end up, the temptation is to believe that because of that, that we're prepared to actually end up there that we're prepared to actually get there, that we're prepared to actually end at that destination in that area of the life. And the reality is nothing could be further from the truth. Like just because you know what's up ahead or you have a vision for what, what is up ahead, there is no correlation between knowing what is up ahead and being prepared to actually get to that place or that destination. And here's the thing, wherever you are, whatever is up ahead for you in terms of your future, good or bad, or you're not quite sure right now, and that's a part of it, you're trying to figure it out. Whatever is up ahead, this is such a big reality. Somebody else has already been there. 
Somebody else has already been. In fact, whatever you are going to face, someone else has experienced what you are about to experience, which we don't often believe because we just think we're, everything about us is unique. Like my circumstances are unique. My life is unique. The situation is unique. I mean, you are, but not your life. Pretty much everybody's been there. Whatever you're facing, as unique as it seems, somebody else has already faced it. And whatever you don't know, this is such a big idea, big idea. Somebody else knows it. I mean, whatever you're trying to figure out for the future, somebody else has already been there. Whether that's, you're trying to figure out something in college, you're, tr- you're grappling with something with this new business you're trying to get off the ground. I don't care how innovative your idea is, somebody else has been there. Um, it's a decision that you're trying to make. It's navigating empty nest years. It's an emotional struggle that you're walking through. It's this thing that came out of nowhere and you just don't know the way forward. And it just feels like, right? Like I'm the only one in the world who's facing this. I mean, I felt like that in parenting multiple times where it's just like, I don't think anybody else has ever gone through this in the world. I'm the only one. But the reality is somebody has always been through it. Somebody has always been where you are or where you are about to go. That's why next week, I'm so excited about it. Um, I'm gonna do something a little different where I'm gonna interview my dad on stage. And my dad um, is worthy of being interviewed of, you know, uh, I don't know, 60 some odd years of following Jesus, maintaining faith, walking through tragedy and thriving on the other side. Like he's, I mean, he's my dad, I'm biased, but he's one of those guys who are like, this is where I wanna end up when I'm 77. This is what I want my life to look like. And my goal is that you would learn a ton about life. But my other goal is that you would actually be inspired to lean into the voices that God wants to drop into your life. Because here's what the author of Proverbs said, Solomon, you may know it. Solomon wrote a ton of good stuff. He didn't follow any of his own advice. Here's what he says in Proverbs 3.20. Walk with the wise and become what? All right, still, I feel an extra hour. It should be better than that. I'm not gonna lie. Why would the wise become wise? And a companion of fools suffers what? Harm. That, that literally God wants to lead and direct your life with wisdom. And we know what wisdom is, right? It's cause and effect. It's sow and reap. It's not like, it's not even God. It's just how God has set the world up to work. And one of the ways that God is gonna lead you and direct you is through the voices of other people. Like we talked about this last week in our last series of the Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you. One of the ways that the Spirit of God, if you're a follower of Jesus in you wants to guide you is through the voices of other people in your life. One of the ways that God wants to offer wisdom is through other people. Like I, I hate this notion that we serve a reluctant God that's like, okay, here's your plan for your life. Figure it out, good luck. Like he is not a reluctant good shepherd. Like he is not holding out. He wants to give us clarity about the future, wisdom about the future. And one of the primary things that he's gonna use is other people in our life. And oftentimes we resist it. But the reality is who you listen to is gonna shape what you do, whether you realize it or not. Who you listen to is gonna shape where you end up. And a lot of times we resist because number one, we think we already know, which is a red flag. Generally what you think you know is where you need to know more. Um, The second thing is we don't really, we're kind of afraid to be honest, which I just think is insane. I mean, maybe because I just know myself well enough. Like who's got it all together where they're walking through anything to go, I know everything. Like nobody, but we are, and maybe this is especially true of guys. We're just afraid to admit, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I don't have everything I need to, to navigate this. And then the third thing I think sometimes we just don't know whom to ask. And usually I'll tell you who that is. It's the person who's not afraid to tell you the truth. It's the person who doesn't have anything to gain from you. It's the person that's a couple seasons up ahead. But here's the question that I want us to answer in this 
this kind of short series. In view of your vision for the future, and you have one, you're thinking about two weeks from now, two years from now, but in view of your vision for the future, do you have the right people around you? Have you, we'll talk about this later, have you positioned yourself so that there is some people that can speak into your life with where you're going? And then equally as important as this question, are you listening to them? Are you filtering in and filtering out the right voices in your life in order to end up where you wanna end up? And more than that, if you're a follower of Jesus, to end up where God wants to lead you, like the destiny and the will that he has for your life. Because I'm just gonna tell you, you are not gonna be able to arrive there on your own. God has a purpose and he's gonna use other people to speak into that, to lead you to where he wants you to end up. In the Old Testament, there is an incredible narrative that really kind of unearths all of this tension. And it really, the idea of like you, at some level, your willingness to listen, your future is at stake. Your willingness to listen, you have no idea what hangs in the balance in terms of what God has for you. And so in around 930 BC, um, there's a nation of Israel, just to give you a quick backstory, and it was split into two kingdoms. There was the Northern Kingdom, which was maintained the name Israel, the Southern Kingdom, which was Judah, and the Northern Kingdom's king was Ahab and his very famous wife, Jezebel. And then the Southern Kingdom was ruled by the king Jehoshaphat. Now, in the opening lines of this narrative, after the, kings, the kingdoms had been split apart, now there's two different kings, you find that Ahab, the ruler of the Northern Kingdom and Jehoshaphat, ruler of the Southern Kingdom, had formed an alliance. Now, just a real quick point on this before we dive into the narrative. Anytime you form a partnership with anybody, I don't care what it is, it could be a friend, it could be your fraternity, and I'm, I mean, you should go after all those things. I mean, that's great for your fraternity, your sorority, um, the business club that you're in, the partnership that you created to launch that startup, um, the PTA that you're a part of, the neighborhood association, whatever. I mean, whatever, I don't know why you'd wanna be a part of that, but whatever you're a part of, I'm just playing. Whatever you're a part of, anytime you form a partnership or an alliance, you just need to know this. Generally, those individuals gain leverage into your life. Not all the time. But a lot of times, anytime you gain like that friend group, that fraternity, that group that you hang with regularly have a beer or you know, milk if you're at Baptist, like whatever that thing is, like they gain a voice into your life. And so in the opening kind of lines of this, you find that Ahab and Jehoshaphat form an alliance in 2 Chronicles 18.1 says this, and it's gonna be quite a bit of narrative here, but just stick with me. Now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage, didn't need to, but he did. And some years later, Verse two, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, which is the capital of the Northern Kingdom. And Ahab slaughtered many sheep and cattle for him and the people and urged him to attack Ramoth Gilead, which is, this is just the ancient culture. I don't have time to explain all this. I have in other messages, but it was just a crazy culture. But this is a border, ta border town of the Northern Kingdom in Israel known as Aram. And it was this really wealthy trade city. And so Ahab sees this city and, you know, kind of on par with ancient culture. He's like, I really want this wealthy merchant trade city, this fortified city. So he goes to Jehoshaphat, who's you know king of the Southern kingdom. Hey, will you ally with me to go take this city because it's gonna benefit us? And so verse three, Ahab, king of Israel asked Jehoshaphat, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? Will you unite your army with my army? And Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are and my people are your people and we will join you in war. Which again, is so crazy. It's like, yes, let's go to war. And then it says, and this is, the, this is where it starts to intersect with our life. This is the annoying question 
that Jehoshaphat asked, that maybe your mom has asked or your friend has asked or you know, some your business associate, associate who had enough courage. But this is the annoying question where Jehoshaphat is like, he said to the king, first, verse four, seek the counsel of the Lord. This is the equivalent of like Ahab's so excited about his idea that he's just whiteboarded and he had a whole presentation around it and he's showing the strategy. And Jehoshaphat's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Have you prayed about this? Like, have you asked anybody about this? Like, is there anybody that you've kind of invited into the boardroom to go, is this a good idea? Like, is there anybody else that knows about it? And so first, seek the king of Israel, um, or actually says, verse five, so the king of Israel, Ahab, brought together the prophets, 400 men. Now, just real quick, all these guys are on his payroll. So Ahab said, yeah, I'll go get some advice. Go get my 400 prophets. The guys that I pay every two weeks, the sycophants, the yes men, all the guys who, because they want to stay employed and live and eat indoors, are going to tell the king what he wants to hear. So he goes and gets the 400 prophets and it says, and asks them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And they're, you know, not surprisingly, go, for God will give it into the king's hands and we really want a paycheck in two weeks. So yes, we think it's an amazing idea. And so Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat, he's like, there's your answer, 400 guys. They're unanimous. They all think this is a great idea. And then Jehoshaphat asks, because he's like, okay, they're gonna tell you what you wanna hear, man, because they don't wanna get fired. So is there not a prophet of the Lord of whom we can inquire? Basically, is there not somebody who has a legit connection with God that we can actually trust to give us good advice that's not on your payroll? And so the king of Israel, Ahab, answered Jehoshaphat, I love this. There is still one man through whom we can inquire the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always mad. He is Micaiah, son of Imla. Basically, I just don't like him because dude shoots down every idea I've ever had. Like I invite him in and I'm all energized and I've got the PowerPoint going and every single time he tells me stuff I, I don't wanna hear. Every single time he's the one naysayer in the group telling me it's not a good idea. But again, this is the equivalent of like, okay, you're on the verge of it and there's so much emotion, right? You want it, you want her, you want that thing, you wanna end up there, you want the purchase and 30% over five years sounds like a good idea. Like you are so energized in that direction and there's kind of the one voice that's like, well, did you ask anybody? Like, did you, did you, did you pray about this? There's like the one conversation and we do this, right? Because some of you, I mean, not to, you're right on the verge of, of a decision or a season. And if you were to be honest, there are people you don't wanna talk to. And there's, there's a voice that you don't wanna lean into. And there's somebody that you're not hearing. And there is so much energy around what you want and what you have convinced yourself is a great decision. And isn't this crazy and isn't it true that we will literally make up narratives in our own mind around why we wanna do something and why it's a good idea and it's not even really why we wanna do it, but we lie to ourselves, which is kind of a crazy thing. And then we will believe our own lives and then we will regurgitate that to other people to appease our conscience. even. Though though, I'll just speak for me, I have a track record of like 10 other times doing that and it never ended well. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can we just be real in church for a second? Just head nod, like, you know what I'm talking about? Where we convince ourselves of a bad idea, we lie to ourselves, we tell other people in order to move forward what we want. And I'm just telling you, we look just as foolish 
as Ahab. There's the one voice. There's that one group of people. There's that one insight. And because you're so convinced and you want it so bad, you, you filtered it out, somehow thinking it's gonna, it's gonna end up differently for you. And so the king, end of verse seven, the king should not say that, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah. Basically, all right, go get the naysayer. Dude always tells me what I don't wanna hear, but get him anyway and we'll listen to him. And here's what you need to know. While they're going to get Micaiah, this lone voice that Ahab hasn't wanted to listen to, the room changes and everybody starts getting a ton of momentum around this idea. They're starting to make banners and they're starting to get, you know, the crowds cheering and they're like, yeah, yeah, we think this is an amazing idea. I mean, he's got hundreds of people who are all cheering him on. There is a ton of momentum. And so they go get Micaiah in verse 12. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, this is the messenger who sent for Micaiah. Look, as one man, the other prophets are predicting success for the king. <laughs> Let your word do what? Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. Basically, you've been invited to the party, but we don't really wanna hear what you have to say. Ahab reluctantly has invited you in. You ne you're always raining on his parade. You never say anything that's favorable. And you just look, there's a ton of momentum. Look how excited the people are. You don't wanna let them down. So listen, don't screw this up, Micaiah. Tell the king what he wants to hear. And come on, just to pause for it, because you can see where the whole story is going. I've said this so many times to you, but it is just true. We have crystal clear insight into the stupidity of other people's decisions, right? It's so clear. I mean, you can look at a distance and go, why are you doing that? Why are you choosing that? Why are you not listening to them? Why are you doing that again? And we have so much insight as it relates to other people, but then we're so blinded when it comes to ourselves where again, we will rehearse narratives. We will lie to ourselves because of something that we want and we will end up wanting something so badly that'll actually override our common sense. Like we would never ever suggest anybody else do it, but somehow for us, it's gonna be different. And all of a sudden our confirmation bias takes over. And all of a sudden, like you're trying to convince yourself that dating him is not a bad idea. Dating her is not a bad idea. The business deal, I mean, nothing's lining up. You know you should ask him or her, but you won't. You're just gonna move forward anyway. The move, I'm just, you know, you found three or four reasons and you had to search hard for them, but you found the reasons. And so that's your story. It's the financial move. It's that thing that you just want and yet you're on the verge of that decision and there's one person, there's two people, there's a voice that you have not leaned into and you, it has become so emotional for you that you have become committed in some ways to filtering out the voices of common sense in your life, filtering out the voice of reason. In some cases, filtering out the voice of God. So there Ahab is with Jehoshaphat and Micaiah in the room, verse 13, and Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what my God says. And when he arrived, the king Ahab asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gil? I don't want you here, but I'm gonna ask you the question anyway. Or shall I refrain? And then I love Micaiah, who's kind of savage, because he... Micaiah looks around, he sees all these yes men, all these sycophants, all these people on the payroll who are just gonna tell Ahab what he wants to hear. And he's incredibly sarcastic, which I relate to and love. And so Micaiah's like, yeah, go to war. You'll be victorious. You'll win, attack. You got this, basically, you fools. And so the king looks at him and sees that he's being sarcastic. 
And he says in verse 15, the king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to me to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Basically, listen, Ahab, or Micaiah, I didn't want you in the first place, but I need to, I invited you to get, you know, Jehoshaphat off my back because I, I need to form this alliance. So now that you're here, don't mock me. Tell me what you actually think because I really didn't want you here in the first place. So verse 16, Micaiah answered. And this is the vision basically that Micaiah got from God. Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd, which kind of sounds like, you know, some lame Christian t-shirt or coffee mug. But here's what Ahab is actually saying, or uh, um, Micaiah is actually saying, I got a vision from God and all of the armies of Israel are scattered all over the hills, but the king is dead. And the Lord said to me, Micaiah said, these people have no master, no king. Let each one go home in peace. Basically, Micaiah is saying to Ahab, I get you want this. I get there's momentum. I get you have hundreds of people who are cheering you on and there is a ton of energy around. I'm just gonna tell you, you can go to war, but you will not come back home. And so then he says, verse 17, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I... Um, yeah, verse 17. Didn't I tell you, I love this, that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? This guy never gets on board with the plan. And then verse 25, the king of Israel, Ahab, then ordered, take Micaiah, send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, this is what the king says, put this fellow Micaiah in prison, give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. Basically, Ahab tells his guys, take Micaiah, don't let anybody know what he said about this decision and shut him up. Don't let anybody hear from him. Don't let anybody know that he was the lone voice of dissension in this decision-making process and make sure we don't hear from him until after I come back home. And so verse 27, Micaiah declared, if you ever return safely, and I think he's being drugged into prison as he's saying this. If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. And as they're about to throw him in, mark my words, all you people. And he's in prison. And you look from the outside of that story and go, Ahab, how do you not see what's coming? Ahab, how are you not smarter than this? How did you get in your position and not, because from the outside, you can look at the story and know exactly what's coming because all of the voices on the payroll, all of the voices of majority thinking, all of them are wrong. All of the voices who have something to gain from this, they're all wrong. And the lone voice of reason is drug away and isolated and gagged and imprisoned. And you look at it from the outside, from our perspective and go, it is so obvious. But I'll just tell you, I can look back to seasons of my life where the emotion was so much, the energy was, was such that I, I wanted it so badly. I wanted it for our family where you can just get to the place where you just filter out all of the voices of reason. And if somebody were to drop into our circumstances, they would look at us and it would be no less obvious. They go, what are you doing? Why are you listening to that? Why are you listening to them? Why have you filtered out all of the voices of reason and all of the voices of common sense in your life? And so verse 28, the king of Israel, Ahab, and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, and this is so important and hilarious, I will enter the battle in disguise. What? 
Ahab, you're gonna enter the battle in disguise. Yeah, I'm gonna enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. And Jehoshaphat, again, has gotta be getting clued in to go, you were so confident. You were so convinced that this was the right decision. And now you're telling me with all that confidence and all of that conviction, you're headed into battle with a disguise on. You're gonna wear a mustache and some glasses and act like you're not the, are you kidding me? And yet there he is. And he was so, Ahab was so convinced externally that this is it. I'm confident it's the right decision. He's rehearsed all the narratives in his own mind where he starts to believe them, but he hears the voice of Micaiah that one lone voice that starts to cause him to doubt. And some of you, man, if I can kind of pry, you're right on the verge of a decision. You're right on the verge of this next season, this thing that's next for you. And if somebody were to be honest with you because you have an, a limitless capacity and so do I to deceive ourselves, you've created narratives around why it's the right decision and you've filtered out the wrong information and you filtered in the wrong information and you've cut out the voices that you needed to hear the most. And you now have gone so far down this road that you started to convince yourself that it's gonna be okay. And there you are. And if somebody were to kind of peer and they'd go, okay, but when you tell the story of your decision, why are you leaving out some of the details? Why is there that one person or those, that one group or those two people that you won't tell, you won't talk to about this? Like, is it possible that that's a red flag around your decision? And come on, isn't it true? For some of us, because we have experience, you can, you can argue your wife into submission. You can argue your husband into submission to your idea. You can argue until your parents just throw up their hands and it's just not worth it anymore. Some of you, like you, you put together your best persuasive argument and you can manipulate your board. For others of you, you can get to a place where you can strong arm your kids because you can out argue them and you are so convinced and you are so convicted and you are so sure, but in your heart, there's doubt. And it's tied to the one or two people, the lone voice of reason that you filtered out. And so the king, Jehoshaphat said, the king should not say that. Verse eight, so the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah son of Imlah at once. Basically bring, or actually I'm wrong verse. Verse 29, you're like, that's halfway through the story. We already passed that, you're right. Verse 29, the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I, again, I love this, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. And again, at this point, Jehoshaphat, seriously, bro. Like this guy's going into battle in disguise. He's like, but you, you wear your royal robes, wear your crown, get those little guys who play the trumpets and bring them out with you but I'm gonna go in disguise. What? You're gonna go in disguise and you want me to go with all the royal fanfare? Like, yeah, 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 it'll be fine. And so the king of Israel disguised himself, into verse 29, and went anyway into battle. Jehoshaphat, get a clue. But here's the thing I just want you to know. Anytime you create a partnership, that, that business partnership, that friend group, those people that you've gotten close with. And again, I think you should have all those things. I think you should have a diverse friend group. But when it comes to the direction and the vision for your life, anytime you create any kind of partnership or alliance, it can become very difficult because the reason that Jehoshaphat couldn't turn away is because when alliances are created, they create momentum that make it very difficult to turn away at the finish line. 
Because all of a sudden you get there and there's a ton of momentum and everybody's cheering us on. I can't say no now. Suddenly you're in the boardroom and they gave you the pin and it just feels like we're too far down the road. I got to sign on the dotted line or we already agreed or I can't let them down. Anytime you form any kind of partnership, even if you get to the end, which is where I think Jehoshaphat was, and he knows it's not a good decision, but he's just come too far. And he just feels like he can't because an alliance creates momentum and it makes it very hard for you to walk away at the finish line. Even if you're convinced in your heart, it may not be the best decision for you. And so the king of Aram had ordered his chariot commanders, do not fight with anyone small or great except the king of Israel. Basically, find Ahab and kill him. And when the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, this is the king of Israel. They thought it was Ahab. So they turned to attack him, but Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord did what? helped him in spite of him. And God drew them away from him. And when the chariot commander saw that he was not the king of Israel, they stopped pursuing him. God bailed him out. And then this is so, so important. But someone drew his bow at what? Someone drew his bow at random. This is so important because sometimes we get into circumstances we think, oh God, are you paying me back? God, are you getting me? God, are you punishing me? This is retribution. You just need to know punishment and retribution and payback happened at the cross. That Jesus came to planet earth, lived a perfect life you couldn't, died the death that all of us should have died for our sin and dysfunction on the cross. And then I believe historically, this is the heartbeat of our faith, he rose from the grave. And the scripture actually says that when Jesus rose from the dead, it validated everything he said. And that is when he went to the cross, he paid the sin and the punishment. He got justice for the sin of the world on himself when he died for that sin. And so now at the end of that crucifixion experience, Jesus said, it is finished paid in full across all of humanity who believes in me. There's no double jeopardy. You're never gonna be tried again. When you place your faith in me, you are forgiven. You are made whole. You are free. You become a son and daughter of God. No longer are you under the weight of condemnation, shame, sin, payback, or retribution ever again because Jesus already did that at the cross. It's called the good news. You don't ever have to worry about that again. You are secure and free in Christ. But sometimes we get into circumstances where you start to doubt, well, maybe you know, God's paying me back. Maybe God's getting me back. All of that was handled at the cross. What we don't understand though is God has set the world up to work a certain way. And sometimes what we attribute to God is just the after effects of ignoring wisdom in a world where God's just set it up to cause and effect. Sow and reap. Lean into the voice of wisdom or don't. But that's not God. That's just the world and how God designed the world to work from the very beginning. But we get into a circumstance where we can ignore all of the right advice, filter in all of the wrong advice, filter out all of the voices that we should be leaning into. And then here's how we kind of get around it in terms of our conscience. We think, but my circumstance is different. I'm different. This is unique. I'll tell you how it's unique. And I'm gonna be careful. And yet wisdom doesn't work that way. And so there Jehosha, or Ahab was disguised in battle. His circumstance is different. He'll be fine. He's smart. He'll be careful. But somebody drew their bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. And the king told the chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. And all day long, the battle raged. And the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Arameans until the evening. And then at sunset, he died. He didn't have to, but he did. Now, 
Can I tell you the strangest wedding verse of all times real quick? Um, in hindsight, I'm not really sure that this should have been included into our wedding, but it was because it was such an impactful verse for my wife and I that we're like, we're gonna put this in our wedding. And then when we did, people are like, ah, is there something up you know, with your relationship before ever it gets started? Because here's the verse, Proverbs 27, 12. The prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and suffer for it. And then we did our vows. <laughs> But here's why we did that. It became such a huge verse for my wife and I early on because it's just, this is just a promise of wisdom. It's a promise of sow and reap. It's the promise of you lean into the right voices, you tune out you know, the wrong voices, but the prudent see danger and take refuge, meaning the prudent look ahead and go, I don't know if that's a good decision. And have I leaned into this voice? Have I asked them? Have I, have I leaned into the one person that I don't really wanna hear from, but the person I don't really wanna hear from may be the person I need to hear from the most. But generally, there is always something up ahead that you can head off, that you can kind of have a warning before you get there. If you are willing to open your hands to go, okay, I'm not just gonna bulldoze my way to the decision because the prudent or literally the wise see danger up ahead. They hear somebody, they know there's one voice of descent. There's somebody they haven't asked. There's a red blinking light because they find that they're over and over again convincing themselves of this well-worn narrative. And suddenly they realize that might be a red flag about my future. And the prudent, the wise, they see that danger up ahead before they get there and they take refuge. They listen, they lean in, they pay attention to the blinking red light on the dashboard. But the, the fool, the simple, literally the naive, they just keep going. It'll be different. I'm different. Our situation is different. I don't really trust them. I've trusted them in every other season, but for some reason, for this decision, I don't trust them. I'm not going to listen to them. And the simple keep going and they suffer for it. And listen, the reality is that God wants to drop people into your life to give you wisdom. And as we said throughout our Holy Spirit series, the Spirit of God wants to lead you. One of the primary ways he's gonna lead you is through the voices that he places around you. And when you step outside of the voice of wisdom, in some ways you step outside of the will of God. In some ways you step outside, out from under the protection of God. Because the author of Psalms says this, Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, your ability to figure things out. Think that you're unique, you're different, your situation is different. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. What's the promise? He will direct or literal translation, make your paths straight. The prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and they suffer for it. That God wants to guide you and direct you. And come on, we have enough track record in our history to know we shouldn't trust ourselves. I mean, Jeremiah says this, 17.9, the, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Meaning you and I have a limitless capacity to convince ourselves of just about anything. And in this case, Ahab had the voices around him, but he wouldn't lean into them and he lost his life. And here's why I wanted to do this series and why I feel this so deeply. For some of us, we haven't lost our life, but we've lost a marriage. We haven't listened or leaned into voices and we've lost our reputation. We've lost our innocence. We lost a season of our kids' lives. We lost 
you know, some kind of financial security for the future. We, we lost like this thing that we were after, this dream that some, somehow dissipated and we filtered out the lone voice of reason in our life. So here's what I wanna ask you, get ready to, to close. In view of the future that you envision, whatever's next for you, maybe two weeks from now, maybe two years, in view of the future that you envision, where you wanna end up, if you're a follower of Jesus, where you think Jesus wants you to end up, who do you need to lean into or what keeps you from asking and listening to the right people in your life in view of where you wanna end up in the vision that you have for your life in the vision that God has for your life. And here's what I believe, on the verge of any huge decision or season in your life, God will drop people into that. And God will, I think, sovereignly, providentially place people around you if you're willing to listen. And you will have the, the, the experience or the choice in that moment to, I'm gonna, in some cases, filter out the voice of common sense, of reality, and live in unreality. Or I'm gonna lean into the right voices in my life. And I just, I wanna say this, and I know you, it's already true, but I just, I just want you to think about this if you're on the verge of something like that right now. Isn't it true? that the thing that you want to hear the least is generally the thing that you need to hear the most. And if you're there right now and yeah, I just don't wanna hear it, that is a massive red flag that you're trying to push something forward and it's gonna feel okay in the moment because it's what you want, it's what you feel, there's a ton of energy and then you'll regret it. And come on, isn't it true that somehow, sometimes the people that we wanna hear from the least are the people we need to hear from the most? And isn't it true, I'll just go first, that I can look back to seasons in my life and I, I wish that in that season I had filtered in the right voices and out the wrong voices and that I had not listened to cultural majority thinking or majority thinking in terms of the people who are around me who were all wrong and I had leaned into the lone voice of reason that in some cases was literally the voice of God in my life. And I'll just tell you, I. I, I can't feel this enough because I feel like that verse, Proverbs 27, 12, that God has answered over and over and over again for our family and my wife. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. And I could tell you time after time after time where I, I look and it's always in the rear view mirror because in the moment you never quite know what's at stake. And then in the rear view mirror, you realize, gosh, God led us. God protected us. In some cases, God bless, God bless us. And I feel like God did that so many times and I just wanna make it clear. It wasn't because like we were extra spiritual. It wasn't because we were smart. I mean, the opposite, but because God does what God promises to do. And I can tell you so many times in our life where I look back to go, God has blessed and led and protected our family in so many extraordinary ways, simply because we were willing to lean into other voices around us who knew what we didn't know, who had been where we were about to go, who literally were the voice of God in our life, a God who is a good shepherd that goes, I wanna lead you to life to the full. And the times where I have filtered out those voices, I can tell you two up, to a, an incident, I have always regretted it. So let me just ask you these questions as we close. Who are you listening to? Like you're on the verge of something right now, who are you listening to? Who has your ear and whose advice are you leaning into? Second question, who do you need to quit listening to? 
Like they're there, I'm not saying end the relationship, I'm just telling you, you have given some, and maybe it's because of a partnership, it's a friend group, it's the people you hang out with, you did a deal together, I mean, whatever it is, they're in your life. It's a mother-in-law, she's not going anywhere. Whatever it is, and you just need to recognize, I, that's not a voice that I need to be listening to. And sometimes the voice that you need to not listen to is the loudest voice in your life. It's the most convincing voice in your life. Here's another way I'd put it. Who do the people that you trust the most say that you should quit listening to? Third question, who should you be listening to? And I, I'm just gonna double down on this. I, I think this is why the church, the local church, when it's on mission, it's never gonna be perfect, but on mission, it's at the epicenter of following Jesus. It's at the epicenter of life. You need to be rooted in community and position yourself for God to drop these relationships in your life. I think it's why every single follower of Jesus you need to be a part of a local church. You need to get into a group. And you're like, oh, I'm so busy. I totally get it. I have 400 kids. I don't feel like I have time to do anything else. Life is busy, but you can't afford not to. And what happens is all of our lives get driven by the urgent and not the important until we're 20 years down the road and all of the urgent took up our time. And there's another practice. We gotta go. We gotta get them in there. Don't wanna miss out. Don't wanna miss out. Don't wanna miss out. And then you look 20 years in the rear view mirror to go, we should have prioritized different things. And your life has the potential to go in that direction where you see danger and you don't take refuge. You need community. Every follower of Jesus should be in some kind of group, a community group, a short-term group. You should volunteer somewhere within the local church, not just because of what it's gonna do in you because it's all intensely relational and God wants to drop people in your life, but he's not gonna do it simply because you pray for it. You need to position yourself for it. You need to allow God to work and God will do it. I'm just telling you, I don't think, I don't think you can full on live the life Jesus has for you by trying to pursue the American dream of autonomy and independence and I'll attend church once every six weeks with no deep community or relationship and expect God to do this in your life. It just doesn't work that way. Consumer mentality works great in other areas of your life. It doesn't with the movement of Jesus. You need to be deeply rooted where church friends become best friends, where people who are like you and hopefully not weird, where you can find your group, God places in your life, people who have been where you wanna go, whether you're 16, 15 or 75, so that God can direct your life. And I'm just gonna make a bold statement. It'll tick some of you off. I think if you're not there, 99% of the people are not willing to do that. You're struggling with some of this. You are, you are struggling to full on live the life that Jesus has for you because you need the connection of deep community and family within the body of Christ. Because last thing, you have a ton of friends everywhere. I get on the ball field, that Frank is amazing. You have people in your neighborhood and you have people at the school, you serve on the PT. All those people are incredible and they're amazing. And we have the benefit of a ton of those people are also our friends within the church. It's all interconnected. But a lot of those people kind of on the outside of your faith and where you wanna go, they do not value the same things in terms of what you envision for your future. And you need to find people. You need friends of all kinds, but you need to find some people within the local church, which requires you to take a step and to reprioritize your life, that they align with your vision for the future. Who are you listening to? And then I would add this. How are you positioning yourself for God to drop those people into your life? You need to take a step. And then the last ones, I'll be done. What do you, want to, what do you not wanna hear, but you need to hear? And generally when you don't wanna hear it, it's a telltale sign you need to hear it. What do you think you know? And you're so confident on the outside and you've got all the arguments. But if you were to be honest, you don't want to be honest with yourself. 
And then lastly, whose advice are you resisting because you don't like the individual personally? They're not as educated as you. They're not as smart as you. They're, you're older. And yet you have a sneaking suspicion that that voice may be the voice that you need in this next season or decision of your life. And I believe that God is gonna speak through other people in your life if you are willing to position yourself for it and you are willing to listen. And my hope next week as I interview my dad, don't miss next week, is that you're gonna get a bunch of just wisdom for life. But the other thing, it will inspire you to begin to live your life, to lean into the voices that God's gonna place in your life. Because here's the reality. What you filter in and who you filter in and filter out, you have no idea how that could change the trajectory of your life. You have no idea what God's gonna do in this next season. And your willingness to take a step, your willingness to listen, you have, because you never know till after the fact, you have no idea. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your listening and that decision. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this moment. I thank you that you left us your word and you made it clear. And God, I pray for some of us that this feels like the providence of God because we're hearing what we need to hear exactly when we need to hear it on the edge of a decision or a priority we're about to take on, something we're about to move ahead with, something we're about to sign on the dotted line with. And, and at some level, this is the voice of God right when we need it. And I pray, God, that for some of us, it's so difficult to do when we are convinced, when we want something, when emotion gets behind it and it's hard to turn away. But you'd give us a vision for our future that we would live out Proverbs 27, 12, the prudent, the wise, they see danger, they take refuge. They don't keep going and suffer for it a decade down the road. And this would be the moment where we just surrender, where we submit ourselves under the authority of God with that, we submit ourselves under the power and the protection and the guidance of God. So whatever you're leading us to do right now, give us the courage to do it. And we pray this in Jesus' incredible. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.